Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this for the ninth day of January 2018, and it is pouring rain in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. You know, it doesn't rain often here in California, but it is coming down hard here. Now, my friends who live in the Pacific Northwest are probably rolling their eyes and saying, congratulations, a little moisture is coming down from the sky. But, you know, we don't know how to deal with it here. We don't. We've had a drought for a long time. We don't know what it's like to have water fall from the sky. So we're, you know, I put some of our potted plants. I'm here. I'm, I'm actually not in my home in Pasadena, but I'm with family up north. And I've put some of the potted plants in the rain. To say, hey, you know, get, get some, uh, get a drink. You know, plenty of water is falling on the tiles. Plenty of water is falling on the bricks. Get a drink. Get a drink. Have a drink of water after a long drought. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about a little bit, is a team going through a drought. You know, when I did the whole suffering index, uh, I talked a lot about teams that have had, you know, that that are, have gone through a lot, obviously, and their fan bases have been waiting. And there are some imperfections in the suffering index and I'm and I'm aware of that. There are some not everything is perfect in the suffering index. Sometimes there are things you don't take into account. I lean very heavily on the suffering index on losing deciding games. If you lost a game 5 of a best of 5 series, if you lost a one game playoff, if you lost a seventh game of a best of 7 series, that is a pressure point on a fan base because you wake up that morning thinking we could win we could win the division we could win the pennant we can win the world series but then it doesn't happen and you think about oh if this could have happened that hell that happens to me with some teams that that are not even my teams you know, I think about the Francisco Cabrera hit because I love the Pirates or the the year I was pulling hard for the Indians. They were about to pull off such a great Game 7 victory against the Cubs. And I think about Carlos Santana, Jason Kipnis, and Francisco Lindor. If one of those guys hit a home run off of a tired Aroldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth of Game 7, the Indians would have won the World Series. You know, as a Red Sox fan, I don't have to tell you that there was we've had a couple of doozies, and they hurt more. But there is a franchise who's, <clears throat> you know, whose fan base has been going through a lot recently, and their suffering index number isn't as high as you would think it would be, and their their ranking isn't as bad as you would think it would be. But they've gone through a lot. In the suffering index rankings, the Minnesota Twins are ranked at 12. Now, it makes sense in a way, because they haven't had a lot of Game 7s or Game 5s that they've lost, and they won a World Series in the 90s, and they won a World Series in the 80s, which, you know, I mean, it wasn't that short time ago. It's been several decades. But when you look at some of the teams 
where, you know, it's been, you know, the Pirates haven't won since the 70s. The A's haven't won since 89, and then the previous one before that was in the 70s. The, the Indians haven't won since the 40s. You have some teams that have never won. So that has brought it down a little bit. And the fact they haven't, when they've lost in the playoffs, yeah, they tend to go out pretty quickly. An interesting thing is that the Minnesota Twins are in the middle of a uh, a twelve game postseason losing streak. If you don't count the one game playoff where they beat the Detroit Tigers in an extra inning thriller, um, which which actually does that does help their um, suffering index number a little bit. But when you look at the those playoff series that they've had, when they took a one game lead. In 2004, they were up one game to none against the Yankees, lost the next three games, got swept by the A's in 06, got swept by the Yankees in 2009, 2010, and lost the wild card game last year. It's a 13-game losing streak in the postseason, not counting that one-game playoff against Detroit. But also not counting losing a one-game playoff to the Chicago White Sox in 2008. And this is a little bit of the, you know, what I've been talking about in terms of last year, I talked about the teams that should have won. Um, I've talked a lot about the legacy of teams like the Nationals versus the Giants. The Giants are an unqualified success this decade. The Nationals are considered a colossal disappointment when... It's all based upon how they do in October. That's how, that's how we evaluate whether or not a team is a success or not is almost entirely on how they did in October. You know, the, the Minnesota Twins won the World Series in 1987. I will go on record, and I have on this podcast, that's the worst team I've ever seen win the World Series. But they won it. And there is a sense of magic, especially if you're a Twins fan, bringing up 1987. They weren't better than the Blue Jays, who didn't make the playoffs. They weren't better than the Brewers, who didn't make the playoffs. They probably weren't even better than the Cincinnati Reds, who didn't make the playoffs. So now when you look at a team, you look at their legacy. You know, the Minnesota Twins should be one of the greatest stories in the history of baseball. I said it out loud right now. The Minnesota Twins of this century, of the 21st century, should be a tale of absolute triumph and everything that makes you feel great about sports. But they're not. In fact, they're an afterthought. Unless you're a diehard fan or you're from Minnesota, the Twins probably aren't on your radar. They're truly a great story. Truly. Now, let's go, let's go for a little bit here. Let's rewind the clock a little bit. In 2001, the Minnesota Twins were rumored to be contracted. The Twins were, they were going to fold the team. The owner pulled out was like, I can't make money on this team. They were going to move them to North Carolina. They couldn't get a new stadium. We can't compete. And even though the Twins were above 500 in 2001, the mindset was, this is not a competitive team. And it can't compete. And baseball probably has too many teams. And they wanted to contract a few. 
and the Montreal Expos were a prime target. No one wanted the team. No one wanted to buy the team. Contract Montreal. They need to contract one more team. They couldn't contract the Tampa Bay Rays, but the owner of the Twins was saying, yeah, buy my team out. I'll cash out. The Twins were about to be no more. The franchise that began as the Washington Senators, the franchise that had Hall of Famers like Goose Goslin, Walter Johnson, Rod Carew, was going to fade into the night. The team that Burt Blylevin, and Hall of Famer, played the bulk of his career on would no longer exist. It would go the way of the dodo. When the contraction was stopped and sanity prevailed and the Expos were essentially ruined, a new manager came in, Tom Kelly left, and the Twins did the unthinkable. They won 94 games, they won the division, and they upset the A's, the A's of 2002, the Moneyball A's. That's why that has a sad ending. Moneyball has a sad ending was because of the Minnesota Twins, who you could argue was a more unlikely uh, championship caliber team than Oakland was. And then they won game one of the ALCS. They were three wins away from going to the World Series the year after they were going to be contracted. I mean, that's the feel. I mean, that's an over the moon feel good story. Could you imagine if that had happened? They wound up losing to the Angels who wound up winning the World Series. Could you have imagined if they had held on, won those last three games, they had home field advantage and taken on the Giants and won the World Series? That would have been the greatest event. And as it was, it's pretty spectacular that you go from you can't compete. I said, really? We're in the ALCS. Yankees weren't. Red Sox weren't. High-paying teams weren't. They got to essentially the final four. And since the threat of contraction was going to destroy this great franchise, the following things have happened. They've played 16 full seasons, 16 of them. They've made, they've qualified for the postseason in seven of those 16 years. That's nearly half. And in fact, they lost a one-game playoff to the Chicago White Sox in 2008. If they had won that one-game playoff or won one more game along the year, you would have said half the season's October featured Minnesota. They had... At least for a stretch, at least for a four or five year period, they had the best pitcher in baseball in Johan Santana. They had two MVPs, granted one of the MVPs, Justin Morneau, he should not have won the MVP that year. But uh, never mind, he did. And Joe Mauer did as well. Hometown kid. Comes in and is now one of the, you know, if, if you like war, then in terms of the history of the franchise, the war of that franchise is number one, Walter Johnson, number two, Rod Carew, number three, Harmon Killebrew. Hey, number four is Joe Maurer. Sticking around with the team through, through thick and through thin. That they made it to the postseason as the American League Central champion in 2003. 2002, 2003, 2004, 2006, 
2009, 2010, and as a wildcard team last year. Shouldn't that be, wow, the Twins are a franchise of excellence. And yet, they're an afterthought. Why? Because they get clobbered in the postseason. They're looked upon as a punching bag. As a team that you just slip by. And they've lost some close games. They've lost some games where they've, they had the lead late. I mean, there's a whole bunch of games against the Yankees, including this year's wildcard game. They're up 3-0 before the Yankees came to bat. If Irvin Santana was mediocre, they're moving on. They lost games where they had leads with the Yankees down to their final at bat in both 2004 and 2009. They lost super close game to the Oakland A's in 2006. They let the Yankees come back with a late rally in 2010 when they had home field advantage. They won 94 games, had home field advantage that year over the Yankees in the playoffs. But no one remembers that. It's just they're, they're out of it so quickly that the fans of Minnesota can't even get excited. You know, it's just they played two playoff games in, in just in terms of in Minnesota. Two playoff games in Minnesota in 2003. Two in 2004, two in 2006, uh, one in 2009, two in 2010, and none last year because it was a wild card game. They moved out of the Homer Dome, the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, which was so maligned, into a beautiful new ballpark, Target Field. Now, I have my thoughts on that. You see, the... Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, easy for you to say, was maligned because it looked weird. It had a big baggie in right field. It looked like a souffle. It looked like a weird place to see a ball game. And it was maligned big time because for most people, they were introduced to it in the 1987 World Series. Because they'd never seen it before. They didn't play any big games in Minnesota. And suddenly they're playing the World Series in this weird-ass park. Instead of playing it in you know, Tiger Stadium, which looks like a classic park or Fenway Park where they played the World Series the year before. They're playing this weird dome. And it looks like, you know, that looks like dough rising and there's there's the weird baggie and everyone looked at it and said, that's weird. But they won a World Series there. A crappy world a crappy team winning the World Series, but they won it. And then redeeming that in nineteen ninety one with a great team winning probably the best World Series of all time. And some classic World Series moments took place in that, including the pucket catch and home run in Game 6 and the amazing Game 7 of the World Series, which I think is still arguably the greatest World Series game of all time, certainly top five. And so, kind of like how when I talked about, you know, I give respect to you know stadiums like Riverfront, Three River Stadium, the vet, because, yeah, they were kind of ugly, but great things took place there. Great things took place there for the Minnesota Twins. And there's a little bit of an issue that I have with some of the new ballparks. And again, I'm being a tad of a broken record here, but I can't tell the difference between the new ballpark in St. Louis and the new ballpark in Washington and the new ballpark in Minnesota and the new ballpark in Philadelphia, they all kind of look the same to me. 
They, they all look alike. You know, so they've created a new cookie cutter thing. And maybe one of the things that I can't really attach much emotion to Target Field yet is they haven't had a great moment there yet. What's been the great moment of Target Field? They only played two postseason games there, and they lost them both at Minnesota Twins did. So the Twins have had seven trips to the postseason since being threatened with contraction. And if they had won the World Series once, just once, then it would have been this great legacy of contract us, no way, we're the champs. The same thing with the Moneyball A's. If the whole group of you know, Zito, Mulder, and Hudson and all of them had won a World Series in Oakland, or if the new batch had won a World Series, it would have been, you would have been able to say nothing bad about Billy Bean, and he would have been, all the critics would have been silent, and you would have made all those previous trips to the postseason would have been made retroactively triumphant. Instead of lingering there as well, they couldn't even win a pennant. Couldn't even win a pennant. They only made it to the league championship series once. Same thing with the Minnesota Twins. Couldn't win a pennant. Only made it to the league championship series once. It's interesting that one October where everything fell into place would change the entire tone of the Minnesota Twins. And you think about some of the teams, there have been a few teams that have won the World Series with not exactly powerhouse you know, clubs on the field. The 2006 Cardinals stumbled and bumbled their way into the postseason, wound up catching the, the Padres, upset the Mets, and the Tigers threw the ball all over creation. They wound up winning the World Series. The St. Louis won the World Series. I would argue that the two Cardinal teams that have won the World Series were two of the worst teams they put on the field in October, but everything fell into place. The Yankees won the World Series in 2000 with a subpar team. The Giants won the World Series in 2014 with a subpar team. In each one of those years, the team went on, they won it all. And you look at the 06 Cardinals, you look at the 2011 Cardinals, you look at the Yankees in 2000, you look at the Giants in 2014, and you think of them as great champions. 2010 Twins were better than those teams. The 2006 Twins were a crap load better than those teams. But they didn't win. They're not in history. And you kind of get the sense that the novelty of, hey, we made it to October, has worn thin in Minnesota. And it's made for a very interesting off-season with the Twins because they are being linked to virtually every pitcher out there. Talk about you, Darvish. Talking about uh, some of the other... that. Um, Chris Tillman name has been has been banting around there. You've seen that you know the, the Chris Archer's name has been bounced around. Talk about Jake Odorizzi. Talk about Garrett Cole because they look at this team right now. And they Irvin Santana had a good year last year. Very good year. He got you know, he got clobbered in that one game playoff against the Yankees. But he had a good year. Young Jose Barrios had a nice season. He is, he's a good pitcher. 
And you look at, you know, I don't know what's happening with Miguel Sano. I don't know what's happening off field. Hopefully, I, I don't know. I, I hope, hopefully, uh, I, I don't know what's going on. He, he may be in legal issues. He may not be. I don't know. But they have talent with Eddie Rosario. They have talent with finally Byron Buxton is starting to hit. Max Kepler has some power. Brian Dozier's you know, sticking around. He still has some power. Jorge Polanco has some power. You know, Joe Maurer is still there. He's no longer the MVP candidate, but he's still a good hitter. And you're seeing that they have a, you know, a slew of young players coming up through their system. But you get the sense that maybe, just maybe, we are at a point with the Twins where they're like, forget this. We're tired of this. All of those other appearances will, will be made will become a mere prologue. But we have to win now. We have talent now. We got a good team. The Twins are a good team. And do you know what? They were a good team in 2015 as well. They put together a winning club. Then they had a horrible 2016. And the question was, which was the fluke? Was the fluke the good year? Or was the fluke the bad year? Well, by, yes, by last year's standards, it looked like the fluke was... The bad year, but they're also smack dab in the middle of something. Indians are still in their division. The Indians are still the best team in the American League Central. The Yankees have said, we want to be a steady pennant contender and have put their foot down. The Red Sox are back-to-back division winners. They still have Chris Sale. They still have a big, nice, young core of talent on their team. And the Astros are the world champs. And the rest of the American League is mediocre. And the Twins are looking up saying, we could punch our ticket consistently to the postseason if we stay at the remarkable level of, oh, they're not bad. They can keep going to the postseason. They can make it eight out of 17 seasons getting in. They probably could get in now. The Angels will probably give them a nice run for their money. A couple other teams, you know, there may be injuries here, maybe injuries there. But the Twins have a nice, solid, talent, talented core, and they want to go in. And they could go in and probably make the postseason as it is now, but they're like, that's not enough anymore. And I find it very interesting that they are being, their names are being associated with with pitching left and right. They just signed Zach Duke, who's left, and they'll probably sign some right. And it becomes clearer and clearer that you need pitching depth to go far in the postseason. Depth in the bullpen, depth in the rotation, all sorts of depth is needed. And the Twins are looking at this going, you know what? We got to do that. We got a shot. They had windows of opportunity in the beginning and at the end of the 2000s where they were chock full of stars and elite players and couldn't get past the first step except for once. It's not acceptable now. All those failures that they had and wasting away the primes of Morneau and Maurer and Santana and Torrey Hunter and all of them will all be mere prologue if they have it all clicked together 
just one October. The Twins' career of Tom Kelly compared to the Twins' career of Ron Gardenhire, well, there's no comparison. Tom Kelly won two championships with the Twins, and Gardenhire didn't. But Tom Kelly only got two playoff teams out of the Twins, and Gardenhire squeezed out six. But Garden and did so when with 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 the threat of contraction hanging over his head. And yet, Kelly will always get the nod over Gardenhire because. It's all based not on getting in, but what you do. So, with Molitor now in there, I guess I'm saying it's interesting that the twins are looking around saying, do you know what? To hell with this. Let's push our chips to the center of the table and see what we've got. They've got a great new stadium. They've got a great history and a great lore. And now they could put the final nail in the coffin in what was the great threat to that franchise a decade and a half ago. But in order to do that, it's all going to click in October. So it'll be an interesting year for the Twins. Will it be a year they get back in but nobody remembers? Will it be a year that they fall short? Or will it be a year where they get to mention their name alongside 1987? In 1991, it's a new century. They did. I, you know, I thought for sure they're going to at least win a pennant in the 2000s, at least one, and be one of those franchises that wins a pennant in three straight decades. Didn't happen. So you're running out of time in this decade. And 1991 was the beginning of that of two decades ago. So let's get on it, Minnesota. You got an October date. And this time, you got to make sure you have plans for late October. It'll be interesting to see. So go to sullybaseball.com, like that, Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking Minnesota Twins and their drought while I'm looking at the rain in California. This has been the Sully Baseball, dropping on the ninth day of January 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.